Hi, I'm Brent Stafford, and this is RegWatch by RegulatorWatch.com. Public health penchant for pushing panic is not an accident of the profession. Oh no, far from it. Panic is a tool to be used tactically and continuously in public health's ever-widening effort to control people and how they live their lives. History shows that panics are often falsely generated and events are overblown to achieve a goal. On this show, we've chronicled a litany of panics public health has pushed concerning nicotine vaping products. But no panic has had a more disastrous effect on vaping than Evali, the so-called e-cigarette or vaping-related lung illness generated and promulgated by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control. Joining us today to discuss how public health pushes fear and panic is Martin Cullop, International Fellow at the Taxpayers Protection Alliance and prolific writer on harm reduction policy issues for major publications such as Inside Sources, Center Square, Town Hall, and Filter. Martin, it's great to see you again. Thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me, Fred. I'd like to start today's show with a, a short definition of panic, if you will, courtesy of Wikipedia. Panic is a sudden sensation of fear which is so strong as to dominate or prevent reason and logical thinking. Martin, could it be possible that public health is using ginned up panic to impede logical thinking and reason when it comes to the risks and benefits of vaping? I think it's probably fair to say that. Yes, I mean, I think you know, trying to uh, scare people has been a tactic of public health in many policy areas, not just with this, you know, in, in other areas such as with, with sugar and, and salt and and smoking. And, and now they're using these tactics on vaping. I mean, in, in the US, you spoke about the, the Centers for Disease Control. You only have to look at an astonishing CDC Zoom event that happened in October, where it seemed to be the CDC was working in partnership with anti-vaping groups um, on youth vaping, where they sort of spoke to each other about, you know, uh, how do we carry on calling this an epidemic, even though the levels of youth vaping are, are falling dramatically? If I could, I just have one more quick question, because you have made it really clear that this data, as the same with last year's data, is not to be perceived as any kind of a trend because the methodology is different and because of the logistical difficulties of um, the pandemic. Um, and so how then do we I won't say quantify because we can quantify the raise over last year. Um, but when these two years are meant to be on their own and then there is a significant rise from this year over last year, how should we be messaging that or thinking about that when we know that it's not that this these two data sets are not comparable to what came before? So I think the bottom line here is that there are still too many kids using e-cigarettes. Uh, the, the epidemic is far from over and our work is far from done. We still have 2.55 million youth uh, who are currently using e-cigarettes and most of them, 85%, are using flavored products. They haven't really got a hook on vaping in general because the science is all going our way. It's showing showing it's, it's, it's uh, a useful uh, smoking cessation device, better than NRT. Uh, all, the, all the signs are positive for vaping. So they keep clutching at, at this 
youth vaping thing. It's the only thing they've got in their armory. So, so, but they are using, yes, definitely, I think, to panic the public by using the youth vaping angle to denigrate vaping as a whole. You actually wrote an article for Town Hall last October on this, and the piece was called CDC's agenda on vaping data is a corruption of democracy and ethics. How is that? Well, I mean, what that meeting proved, I think, uh, was how it came about that, that there were people like me in this webinar. It was a CDC webinar. And uh, I, I was just one of a few people, who, uh, you know, vaping advocates or, or pro-harm reduction advocates who went into this meeting interested in what the CDC was going to announce about new evidence that had come out. And quickly, someone behind the scenes had said, there are people here who shouldn't be here. We don't want them here. And and the, the chair of this thing, after it started, invited us to leave, said, look, you're not meant to be here. This is just for approved partners of the CDC. Of course, we, we didn't leave. Um, we carried on watching, and they carried on regardless. But it was quite clear that they'd invited the likes of Tobacco Free Kids and, and all their allies to talk to them about this behind closed doors before they they told the public what it was all about and questions were coming in from these these people saying um can we still use the term epidemic even though it was saying that youth vaping was declining and the cdc said yes you can and of course straight away the next day um one of them who was in that meeting went and told um nbc i think it was um that this is clear sign that it was a a, a vaping a, a youth vaping epidemic and it was someone from the cdc so what we saw from that was that they're not, the CDC wasn't just providing uh, science, you know, sound science-based ev- uh, evidence. It was, it's meant to be an, an honest, honest broker of objective evidence, but it wasn't being that. It was colluding with anti-vaping organizations away from, you know, we were just lucky to be in there, but it meant to be away from the eyes of, of taxpayers to try and work out how they can manipulate the evidence in their favor. So. It, it does it, it does break a trust with the public if the CDC is acting this way because we, we trust them to give honest information and they're just not doing that. What does that say about even when teen vaping had been increasing in 2018, it was FDA commissioner at the time, Scott Gottlieb, that kind of pulled the fire alarm on, on vaping with regards to kids and saying that public health, you know, will not tolerate another uh, a generation of kids becoming addicted to nicotine and that vaping posed a clear, clear and present danger to teens. So is that even, so is that ginned up? Like, I mean, is there been any real truth to this matter at all when it comes to that epidemic? Well, it, it, it does, it, it's very reminiscent, isn't it, of the reefer madness scare uh, from the 30s, 40s and 50s uh, which we now look back on and, and kind of satirize and say, you know, what were they thinking? These high school boys and girls are having a hop at the local soda fountain. Innocently, they dance. Innocent of a new and deadly menace lurking behind closed doors. Marijuana, the burning weed with its roots in hell. In this film, you will see the ease with which this vicious plant can be grown in your neighbor's yard, rolled into harmless-looking cigarettes, hidden in an innocent shoe or watch case. If you want a good smoke, try one of these. You will meet Bill, 
who once took pride in his strong will as he takes the first step toward enslavement. Smoking the soul-destroying reaper, they find a moment's pleasure, but at a terrible price. Debauchery, violence, murder, suicide, and the ultimate end of the marijuana addict. Hopeless insanity. People look back at it and we just laugh at it now about how moral uh, uh, this panic was and, and, and the extremes and the hysteria that, that surrounded it. But that did happen. And I suppose we hopefully in the future, we look back at this panic now and, and think, what on earth were they doing, especially in the US? I mean, just uh, just just this week. There's been new guidance in the UK from uh, smoke-free smoke Sheffield about youth vaping, and this is materials they're sending out to to schools. Uh, it's intended for parents and carers to educate them about youth vaping because there's been a slight uptick in youth vaping in the UK. It firstly says that vaping is considerably less harmful than smoking, and they're, they're telling kids this. And uh, and it says, but. Most children don't vape or smoke, so if you don't vape or smoke, don't start vaping. Smoking remains a leading cause of disease, poor health and early death. Switching to nicotine vapes can help adult smokers to quit smoking. Most young people don't vape or smoke. Vaping is less harmful as you don't inhale the toxic tar and carbon monoxide you get from tobacco smoke. But vapes are not harmless. If you don't smoke, don't start vaping. It doesn't say kids just should not vape at all because they recognise that there are something like 200 and something thousand kids in the UK that smoke. So if they give them the message, don't vape, then they're giving them bad advice because they're, they're going to carry on smoking. So it recognises the reality in the world that there are people who are underage who are going to smoke and, they, and it recognises that the worst thing they could do is smoke. Uh, and it's just much more nuanced... Um, messages and it's calm and it's concise and it's accurate and we're not getting that from authorities public health authorities in the US you're getting complete opposite you're just getting hysteria which is which is driving people sometimes a bit mad Martin Wikipedia's definition of panic continues to say that panic may occur singularly in individuals or manifest suddenly in large groups as mass panic closely related to herd behavior does that sound at all like anything that might be happening around vaping? Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. If, you, if you've done state hearings in the USA, as I've done a few, um, it, you can see incredible things. I mean, quite incredible things. People uh, coming up to give testimony. Uh, I remember seeing one, I'm not going to say which state it was, where a woman literally just burst into hysterical crying because she was testifying that her son had started vaping. Um, the, the, the reaction was almost as if he was 
on a death sentence or something. It was it was amazing, and it and you see it all around. You know, I've done a number of these things, and the rhetoric just doesn't match what the science tells us about the harms of vaping. It's it's like all these people have been so indoctrinated with the information they're getting. You you get people a bit sort of worried about it in the UK about youths especially, but it's nowhere on the scale that you see in 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 America. Uh, it's it's just it is just incredible. But you know you can't blame these people because at the end of the day they are being fed a constant diet of misinformation and scaremongering uh, and and it, it's it's like we've said about the CDC. You know they should be giving honest information and informing people accurately, like is happening like i said in the uk but it's not happening in america and for some reason they they just want to ramp up the the fear of these products instead of speaking about the benefits they don't want to speak about the benefits uh, I, I presume because it, it ruins their ideology and it goes against their prior um preconceived ideas of what policies they want to be enacted in the u.s now if americans are showing up to testify you know in state uh, conferences or wherever, and they're bursting out in tears in fear over their, say, son, who's picked up a minor nicotine habit through vaping. That fear, to me, appears to be intentionally generated by public health. Yeah, there was there was a, another uh, testimony recently where they were saying that the um, <laughs> the reason the schools in this particular state are underperforming is because so many kids are vaping and having to leave the school. I mean, it's it's on it's, it it defies common sense. Some of the things you're you're hearing, you, um, and when you when you see the the committees that we speak to, uh, you know, I'm there giving testimony. And I, I know we're on the side of the angels here. We're, we're the ones hoping to, to save lives. And we're, yet we're treated, treated with absolute hostility. But the other side can say whatever it likes and, and just basically just make things up as they go along. And they're treated as if they're the good guys. And it's, it, the whole thing's topsy-turvy. It's, it, it's, for someone from the UK who lives under a completely different regime in, in, in the US, it is, it's quite a thing to see. And, and sometimes it blows your mind. How how is a, a country like the US, um, which you know has freedom in its 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 national discourse, so on the wrong side of this? Why why are they going like this? It seems to me that the, it, there's a lot of politics involved where it, the public health should not be getting involved in that sort of thing. It should be given accurate information for its public to improve public health. And I think. You know, I, I think uh, the Food and Drug Administration, for example, I think it's kind of ring-fenced by all this politics and can't do its job properly. Um, so it's it, instead of acting in a responsible manner when it comes to regulating nicotine products, it's it's doing what it thinks it should do because of all the pressure it's put under by the likes of tobacco-free kids, all the Bloomberg-funded uh, foundations and from Congress itself, which is obviously listening to the wrong ideas as well. There, there needs to be some sort of reset in the US, and I don't, I don't know where it's going to come from. But unfortunately, the the American public is pretty badly served by its organisations at the moment. They also have really wired in that there's this fear that vaping nicotine can give you brain damage. And that they've pushed hard. So no wonder a parent might be bawling their face off in public over something like this because they've been led to believe by the U.S. government 
that vaping could lead to brain damage. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, a lot of these things, it, there's, there's a very clever trick they do, and you'll see this a lot whenever you read anything. And it's a sleight of hand using language where they'll say something like, um, you know, it's assumed people have said that vaping is less harmful than smoking. And yet it, it still contains nicotine, which is highly addictive. I mean, it's a, it's a clever thing that they've done there because they're, they're sort of saying they're not they're not lying and saying vaping is the same as smoking, even though some do. They're saying people say that it's less harmful, but it still contains nicotine. But what is addiction if there's no harm? This is the thing um, that you know, people can say. I know people who, who admit to being addicted to uh, caffeine. But you wouldn't try to, you, they wouldn't panic about it. It's just something they enjoy. Maybe they think maybe they drink too much coffee or something. That's about the extent of the addiction. There isn't that harm that goes with it, which comes with combustible tobacco. So it's, it's a very clever trick. When you said about the, the brain damage thing, I mean, first of all, this is, this is studies in mice, which any serious science scientist should know not a good proxy for human behavior and this is another thing that the cdc and the fda should be telling the public they should say look we've found this thing in mice but we are scientists the cdc are scientists they should be saying but as scientists we know that, that you can't take this too seriously it's not something you can take as definitely going to transfer to the human population and we know this because in real life in the past we had very high levels of smoking so if nicotine was so bad for the human brain, we should have lots of grown-ups now who are, who are brain damaged. Now, where are they? When we had 60 70% smoking rates, where are all these brain-damaged people? And that hasn't happened. So we know this isn't true. So, um, yeah, again, it goes back to the authorities, the CDC, the FDA. They should be giving the public this honest kind of information, and they're just not doing that. To that point... Um... If panic indeed is a tool that can impede logical thinking and reason, as the very first line in Wikipedia describes for the definition of panic, then it seems clear that's, the, that's why you know, people are not putting two and two together. Well, if nicotine caused brain damage, there'd be brain damaged people all around us for decades. We would have known that there was a problem. It would have shut down the world considering how much smoking has happened, but people are just oblivious to that logical thinking, maybe due to the panic. Well, yeah, exactly. And the same goes with uh, with the gateway theory as well, where they keep saying it. I mean, it's almost like, uh, you remember in the in the 90s, we, we all laughed about the guy, I can't remember his real name, but we called him Comical Ali, uh, the guy in Iraq who, who was spouting Saddam Hussein's line that no no we're repelling the americans we're fighting them off all over the place and i think there was a famous scene where, where he was saying this and there were american tanks rumbling down the center of baghdad behind him and this is what the way i look at this this gateway theory they say oh my god it's a gateway to to, to youth to to smoke and yet you look at the graphs and youth smoking is declining youth vaping is declining where's the gateway <laughs> you know I'd be embarrassed if I was the other side of this argument to to go on TV or to to write something in a in a in a news outlet to say this is leading more kids to smoke because I'd feel stupid for saying it, and yet they are saying it, and and 
but the public, a lot of the public, this is a very niche issue for many people. They're, they're, in, they're worried about the cost of living, they're worried about the cost of gas, you know, all, all other things in their life. So they would just believe what they're told, especially when it comes from a, um, an authoritative source. So they do believe this stuff. And, and they'll see young youngsters vaping around them and they will believe that there's an epidemic of youth vaping. It, you know, that's that's the problem. Um, it's, it's what propaganda has been around, been about for decades, isn't it? You know, propaganda has been used for lots of things and it, it's kind of used now and, and people do fall for it, unfortunately. Let me just quickly uh, just run through one or two of the files in my file folder on health propaganda because health propaganda is a field it is a acknowledged aspect about public health that um, one studies here's a very interesting article uh, in public square from february of 2013 by our good friend here simon chapman this is your brain on health propaganda taking a moment to nod to some truly effective public health campaigns. This, there's, this, there's this theory about the honourable lie, isn't it? Or the noble lie. Um, and I, I think we should be more, more um, uh, sophisticated these days to realise that the public should really be better informed. They should be informed and, and allowed to make their own choices. And there isn't anything noble about lying to people to manipulate how their choices are. They should be given the truth. And, and this is what especially public health institutions should be doing. They should be telling the truth on matters which are relating to people's health. If, if, there's, if there are um, exaggerations, if you like, that that actually do benefit public health i suppose you can defend that in some way if it's something that is going to do the public good but but what we what we're seeing with harm reduction is the exaggeration is coming from the side that um that shouldn't be be exaggerating i mean that they, they, it, it was once described to me that that there are two types of public health um activists you have the ones who, if you were to say to them, in tobacco control, I'm, I'm saying specifically, if you were to say to them, look, if, if we came out with a, a cigarette, which meant that people could carry on smoking, but it was proven that there was zero risk to this thing, uh, and people wouldn't get lung cancer and they wouldn't get heart disease, would you, would you think that's a good thing? And the, the people in public health who are actually, you know, um, genuinely, looking to save lives was think that's brilliant that's fantastic yes because we don't want to ruin people's choices we don't want to tell them what we don't like them doing we just want want them to be healthier the ones that would say no no i still wouldn't like them using that because i just don't like it they're the ones who aren't proper public health people they're not that interested in saving lives they just want to boss people around so i think this is why we have this schism now in public health um over vaping is you have the real public health advocates who are in favor of vaping because they can see the health improvements that can come about as a result and you have the other ones who i don't think are genuinely public health advocates because they just don't like people using vaping just as they didn't like them smoking and for them it's not how many lives can be saved it's just about stopping people doing what they don't particularly want them to do so i think you know health propaganda 
can have a place if it nudges people towards better um, uh, health health choices, if you like, but not if it forces them to. You know, it should be their choice at the end of the day. Well, and that's that's the case. I mean, here's Carl Sustine's Sustine's book, yeah. Nudge, uh, which is no small book uh, filled with uh, all the strategies and tactics around nudging. And I do have to say that you all in the UK seem to have really mastered the concept of nudging. The one reason, or one of the main reasons, that the UK is so good on vaping in particular, I would say we're not good over here on harm reduction in general. There's still better, but on vaping, we're right on, on top of the ball, you know, leading the world, is because um, we had a behavioral science unit called the Nudge Unit, which first said to uh, Prime Minister David Cameron that we shouldn't ban vaping products. We should, you know, we should use them to nudge people away from smoking into into vaping. Um, so that's one of the reasons we do have such a liberal uh, policy around vaping in this country. So Martin, I wanted to bring up that the current U.S. Surgeon General, Vice Admiral Vivek Murthy, is no friend of vaping. Now he's been appointed by Biden. Of course, nobody really in the Biden administration as a friend of vaping, but this is his second round as U.S. Surgeon General. He was U.S. Surgeon General back in 2016, and he released at that time in 2016, it was late in the year, so keep in mind that the Royal College of Physicians in the U.K. released Nicotine Without Smoke in spring of 2016, and that was a full-throated endorsement of uh, vaping as a tool for harm reduction, Come then December of that that year, U.S. Uh, Surgeon General released a report titled E-Cigarette Use Among Youth and Young Adults. This report had a major and long-lasting impact in the war on vaping. It is with this campaign that the Surgeon General launched the propaganda line that science shows that nicotine can harm developing brains. And we have the 30-second ad. This is from December 2016. Some say e-cigarettes aren't dangerous. But science shows nicotine can harm teens developing brains. No matter how they're exposed. Let's do an experiment to find out. Here's a teen who won't be using e-cigarettes. Now we need one willing to risk their brain development. Anyone care to volunteer your kid? Anyone? I'm Dr. Vivek Murthy, U.S. Surgeon General. Your kids are not an experiment. Protect them from e-cigarettes. It's quite laughable. The white lab coats, you know. I mean, it's it's just it's just quite funny that. <laughs> I and it's seen that. and the term science shows. Science yeah. does not show that. No, I mean, look at the difference, if you like, about the UK and the US. Yeah, we had, um, and I, uh, we we had a, a, an experiment done on vaping, which. Um, I can't remember, there was a TV doctor and um, I can't remember who, who did it, where they, you may have seen it, the bell jar experiment, where they, they, they put cotton wool into two bell jars. One, they pumped full of um, smoke from a cigarette and the, one, the other one, they put um, the vapor from vaping. And you could see, starkly see the difference. So um, that's an experiment. The key thing here is that, is that they were instigating fear in, to the parent. They were saying to the parent, are you going to allow this experiment on your kid? You know, who's, which parent's going to volunteer for that? Um, and so that's, I mean, I think it's insidious, but 
regardless, um, that uh, it wasn't an experiment, and and they don't seem to want to listen to the scientific evidence that that has come around from experiments. Uh, and Vivek Murthy, well, he he's he's come under criticism himself, hasn't he? Um, there was um, there was a paper written uh, by a whole load of people, Mike Pesco, Mike Cummings, Cliff Douglas, saying, look, uh, Jonathan Falls, a whole whole host of them saying that criticizing the Surgeon General, you, you're coming out with misinformation, you need to correct this misinformation. And as far as I've heard, they, they've declined to re- respond to them. Um, but, th- but this shows that, again, we said this schism between public health, you've got some public health guys, who, who and, and, and women, of course, who are, who are on the right side of history, they, they see the potential of vaping, and you've got people like Vivek Murthy, who is just on the on the other side? He doesn't really want to know about saving lives. He just has his political and ideological stance, and and that's what he wants to do. But how has it got to that where you have this split in public health? That can't be good for anyone because you've got these constant battles going on. But we know that one side is interested in saving lives, and the other side is just interested in pumping a dogmatic and ideological uh, agenda. What Dr. Ken Warner um, at all there in that paper um, was really getting at was the misinformation around E-Valley because that was horrible, tremendously horrible. So let's move to that right now. You wrote a great article just a few weeks ago um, out in Real Clear Policy titled The CDC's Peddling of Misinformation about vaping is a threat to public health. This is obviously in regard to Valley, as I said, the so-called e-cigarette or vaping-related lung illness from 2019. What did the CDC do to threaten public health? Well, I think they were keen to use Ivali, um again, for ideological purposes. It became clear well before they would admit it. The CDC and the FDA um, were so late to the party um, there was a, I think the the publication was Leafly, who f- very quickly found out that this was caused by a certain product made by, I think they're called Dank Vapes, and it centred around vitamin E acetate. And it only happened in 2019. It only happened in the U- US. Uh, there was a, a, a couple of um, examples in Canada, but how? But they they were very very happy to use this to smear nicotine vaping at the same time. And just the name of it, e-cigarette and uh, vaping, is is in the title of Ivali. They were quite happy to let nicotine vaping take the rap on this. But even after it became clear, it was it was uh, vitamin E acetate, and it was people using using illegal THC carts. Um, they just let this go on and on and on. It was months later before they admitted probably because they couldn't deny it anymore, that it was overwhelmingly because of um, vitamin E acetate. And they've got a better sense. I've, I've looked at their website, and the CDC's website especially is more accurate in its information, but it's still equivocal. It still doesn't say that it's definitely this. It says, you know, it's it's a, a major driver of it, but it doesn't say it was all of it. And they still point to, there were many people who said that they didn't use these THC cartridges. Well, there are a lot of these youngsters who didn't want their parents to be mad that they were using THC or THC was illegal in their state. Of course, they're going to say that they didn't use it. Um, but it was quite clear that they did use it. And and 
it's impossible that it could have been anything else. We didn't get anything like that in the UK or, or in any other country. It was just in the US. And I think they did, they just allowed it to, or allowed people to believe that this was about vaping because it suited their interests. And again, it goes back to the CDC not giving accurate and honest information to the American public. You know, I can understand, obviously, while it was happening, that the regular Joe public might not think past the panic that's coming across in the daily news broadcasts and on newspapers and everything else. But however, basic common sense questions, you know, after a valley's over, right? Because we're like three plus years now after it, there's been no new cases of a valley. There's been no explanation of how uh, this so-called disease even happened. It just showed up and eight months later, it was gone. And I think that without that panic used by public health to impede reason and logical thinking, people might actually have the ability to start questioning some of these things, but instead they're just kind of clouded. Um, you know, that thinking has been, well, the right word is retarded. Yeah, but there's, there, there is that. Um, there is still research comes out occasionally that you see, you know, scientific research and you see the researchers are using Ivali um, and it's, they're pretty bad researchers, obviously, because they haven't worked out that it's not to do with nicotine vaping. Um, but more than that, the, the stories are still up. If you Google um, lung injuries or whatever, you'll come up with all these these stories from the past and they haven't been taken down. Um, and and it, I've, I've seen it cited by people who are anti-vaping in the UK quite recently on, on comment sections and on social media. And... And the problem with that is, is you're always going to get people who just don't like other people vaping, just like you, you have people who don't like other people eating McDonald's or you don't like other people drinking too much if, if they don't drink at all. And so if you get into a debate, they're going to Google and they're going to find something about Ivali and they'll use it to, the, to their advantage. So you're constantly fighting against this, this spectre of Ivali, which, like you said, just turned up and went in one country and it was down to something that is nothing to do with nicotine vaping. But again, I'm sorry, I have to say this, in the UK, our public health authorities are very good at, at, at clearing up this message with people. And they, they, they're quite clear that this was nothing to do with nicotine vaping. Nicotine vaping is regulate, regulated well in the UK and it's something that just happened in the US for a short space of time. And that's what American authorities should be doing as well, but they're not doing it. Martin, this next bit may be a bit controversial, at least the way I'm going to frame it, but something strange and disturbing happened during a valley, and that is what I call vape lung porn. As soon as people were hospitalized for this mysterious lung illness, photos of youth lying incapacitated in hospital beds flooded the internet, newspapers, and in TV news broadcasts. Look at this. Mm -hmm. the, the, the amount of these pictures, including actually some people campaigning against vaping from their hospital beds. And so I wonder how do so many people participate in this? You know, it, it's it, how do they get over privacy laws? How was it so well coordinated that within a matter of weeks, literally 20, 30, 40 different patients all have these types of pictures placed up and out for public consumption. And it's, it, it, it's creepy. 
I, I think it's, it's two things. I mean, there's a modern sort of YouTube, TikTok culture of celebrity, isn't there? That, you know, um, let's get famous for something. Uh, and I wonder if that might have something to do with it, especially with ones you, you hear that that um, that are sort of inviting interviews and come and talk to me, you know. But there's also the other thing, like I mentioned or touched on earlier, is is a lot of these 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 guys maybe they they were using THC but don't want to admit it. And and what better way than that uh, to, to do that than to say I was just using nicotine vapor and isn't this bad and we need to ban it. You know, to just make a big noise to hide the fact they were doing something their parents wouldn't like or that was illegal in their state. And I, I think there might be something of that to do with, with, with a lot of that. But maybe the, the pictures, like I said, maybe there, there was some involvement in some bad actors there to publicise them. It could just be media interest and media hunger. The media it likes a bad story about vaping, doesn't it? So, What's your advice on how to fix that then? Well, I, I just keep coming back to that the, the CDC has got to be an honest broker here. They're, the, they're scientists. They know what happened with that. Um, and they need to give better messages to the public. They shouldn't treat them as something they can just uh, mould to their ideological or, or political interests. They should be giving honest, unvarnished, accurate information to the American public. And they, sh they should be doing it with the Uvali just to just to lessen the um, the panic that, that is around with some people towards vaping. You know, when you get parents crying at state testimonies because they think their son, because he started vaping, is about to die, um, it's gone too far. <laughs>